Economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Paul McRae, producer and undergraduate scholar for the Gordon Institute. With us, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gordon Institute and Lane Angel Chair of Economics. We also have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. And we also have with us Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordon Professor of Economic Education and Research. Finally, Luke Cream, graduate assistant for the Gordon Institute. Okay, so we're continuing on our thought on transhumanism from a previous podcast. If you didn't listen to that, I would encourage you to do so. You know, is it good to be beefing up our bodies for longevity? Is that something worthwhile to aim at? Does it make sense if you're an atheist, but doesn't make sense if you're a Christian? Or is it okay for Christians to be pursuing changing God's image if we were created in God's image? And then now all of a sudden we want the Google uploaded to our system and a special lens on our eyeball that does a Google search and gives us answers to all the questions that we currently have to hold on our phone. If that was all just somehow projected from our brain, you know, changing our genes so that we avoid diseases. And there's just all these areas. It's actually pretty rich topic to think about, you know, what does it mean to be human exactly? And are we pushing the envelope? Is it moral to do so? Is it okay? Should we allow the freedom for individuals to do all their own thing? Is this a destructive thing for society to pursue these things and kind of have a collective society pushing towards that? It kind of reminds me of the eugenics movement uh, back in, you know, early 1900s in the United States, where we start getting into some ugly events that went on through that phase. Um, So Justin, can can you help us lead us through this, some of these thoughts? Some of them, yeah. <laughs> so our last discussion on transhumanism ended with this idea of where we talked about uploading ourselves, you know, this idea that you could upload your consciousness into a machine and then download it into some other body or whatever. And um, this actually really ties into the problem in philosophy, which is called the problem of personal identity. When I talk about this with my students, you know, sometimes they think that we're going to be talking about like, oh, you know, what do I think I am or something like <laughs> that? But, you know, what, what kind of identities do I have? But really... The problem of personal identity has to do with what makes you the same person throughout your life, mm. right? If you if I look back at the picture of me going to kindergarten, I'm standing there with Stevie Conroy. We both have our backpacks on. <laughs> I look back at that kid. He's got you know is, how is that the same person that I want that I am now? Um, how is it the that I'm the same in front person? of that kid? And look at where I am today. He had, Jeez, uh, he had beautiful blonde hair. <laughs> that kid had hopes and dreams. <laughs> All crud. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways in which it seems like I'm different from the hopeful boy in that picture. How is it that that I am the same person as that that being right now? It turns out that um, we depend on this notion of personal identity through time. Like a bunch of our cultural institutions depend on it. The idea of punishment depends on it. This idea that you know marriage depends on it. You know you don't look back and go like, well, you know when we got that was a different guy that married you, so I'm not even married to you anymore, right? This is, I bet that line's been used. So um, philosophers have worried about like, well, what is it about an individual that makes them the same person throughout time? And um, there's a bunch of thought experiments that philosophers go through. Uh, One of the famous ones is, um, well, you know, they say something like, 
could it be that it's, uh, you know, it's like your same body that you have throughout time, but it turns out that almost all of the physical parts of your body, you know, down on a micro level change yeah, out change in the out. atoms yeah. change, right? You have different atoms in your body than you like did. Yes, the ship of Theseus is the famous yeah. example, right? Um, so this idea is that if if Theseus is at sea with his ship and he's um, replacing part by part uh, over time, but and at the end of his journey, every part has been replaced. Is that ship the same? It's still the ship of Theseus, right? And another, for a very long time, the classical answer in philosophy was given by John Locke. And he gave this example of um, the prince and the cobbler. And in Locke's example, he says, imagine that a prince and a cobbler go to sleep one night, right? And they wake up in the morning. Locke says, imagine that the soul of the prince has been swapped with the soul of the cobbler. Now, it's pretty clear from what Locke says about what he means by soul that he really means what um, what we would typically call mind, because he says, when he talks about the soul, he talks about memory specifically. So he says, the person, uh, the cobbler's body wakes up and the mind in the cobbler's body remembers being the prince, right? And can recall being the prince. It says, oh my God, what am I doing in this shack? This is a disaster. What happened to my nice bed, et cetera. And uh, the person who wakes up in the prince's body goes, this is amazing. This food is better than the food I went to sleep with. Um, this bed looks a lot nicer, et cetera. And Locke says, you know, um, we should say in this case that the cobbler is now in the prince's body and the prince is now in the cobbler's body, right? Um, and you can think of something like, you know, there's a bunch of movies that are predicated on this, like Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday movies, awesome. right? That's the classic one where the mom and the daughter, um, you know, they switch minds, right? Now in Freaky Friday, it's not the case that in Freaky Friday, like they rip open their skulls, the skull of Jamie Lee Curtis, and drop the, the brain of Lindsay Lohan in, right? It's the same brains, but they switch our minds, right? So this is this idea that what makes you, you, then isn't anything physical, it's your memories, right? Um, so what makes me, me, is the fact that I remember being that kindergartner. And this gets a little tricky sometimes because you could say things like, well, wait a minute, did I remember, uh, aren't there things like, did I remember being a three-year-old or whatever? And so typically in the literature, they go, well, it's actually these overlapping memories. So it's like the old man remembers being the colonel and the colonel remembers being the sergeant and the sergeant remembers being, you know, the infantryman and the infantryman remembers being a five-year-old or whatever. So as long as there's this causal chain of overlapping memories, then we can say that this mental continuity, then it can be the same person throughout time. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, so on this view then, insofar as you remember being somebody else, then you are that other person. And that's why we are the same person. I'm the same person that I was yesterday, right? Because I remember being that person. Okay, well, that makes sense. Luke? So <clears throat> I don't know if I can like completely agree with that because I, and this is like, just watched it, I watched a TV show and <laughs> it's, it's called Peacemaker. And there's like these little butterflies that can like basically get in your brain and they have full memories of the person before them, but they are like completely someone else. So I don't, I can't, I don't know for sure if like life lies in the memories because they were, they had the memories. It was more like 
just knowledge than it was that they were that person. Yeah. So on the mental view, this like if that happens to you, this would change you into a different person, right? And it and, gives credence to the uploading yourself to something and living on it's something like that, right? And you can find people talk about this sometimes when they talk about like patients with dementia or something like that. Sometimes they say something like, it's a shame, but like your grandfather's, he's not really there anymore. anymore. It's not your grandfather. And then people, this just happens, right? Um, So that's one view that what constitutes personal identity is mental continuity through time. And um, an objection got raised to that. And this view is pretty much the view in philosophy until Bernard Williams wrote an influential article in the 70s. And he says, let's think about this cobbler example in a little bit more detail. And he says, let's take Locke's example. And you go, all right, we're going to switch your mind. Uh, If you're the cobbler, we're going to switch your mind with the mind of the prince, right? And I'm going to tell you, tomorrow, I'm going to torture one of those bodies. Which one of the bodies do you want me to torture? <laughs> and if we just use Locke's description, right, that your the the, bo- the mind of the cobbler gets transferred to the mind of the prince, which body do you want me to torture tomorrow morning? If you're the cobbler now, and I say we're going to put your mind into the body of the prince. If you're selfish, the cobbler's body. Yeah, uh, you say, oh well, since I'm going to be the prince in the morning, you should definitely torture the cobbler's body mm-hmm. in the morning because I won't be there, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Now let's pause on this for a second. What if I told you that I was Napoleon? Bonaparte or Dynamite? Bonaparte. Too tall. (laughs) Too tall. Well, I grew. Uh, But, and I, and I told you that, um, you know, and you were like, really? And then I started telling you all my memories about the, that's what I was, the battle of Waterloo. Yeah. Delusional and, well, so there's something about other people's opinion of you that needs to be folded in. No. What would you say if I told you that I remembered the Battle of Waterloo and being, you know, exiled on Elba? I'd say you were wrong. Yeah. That what? You're wrong. Oh, you have a good memory from you're the either, you You're either lying or you, yeah, you. Would you agree with me that I remember them? No. No. Yeah. Why don't I remember them? Because you weren't there. Because it wasn't me. Because you're right? Justin, yeah. Okay. Hold on to that thought for a second. So Williams says, let's look at this cobbler example again. And I'm going to describe a slightly different situation. Uh, you're still the cobbler right now. And to be clear, I'm sorry. Body and mind of the cobbler. Right now. Okay. Okay. You're okay. the body okay. and the mind of the cobbler. The this is before whatever you're happens changed. tomorrow. Okay. okay. Uh, so instead of single, t- um, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to torture the cobbler's body tomorrow. Right. Is that good news for you or bad news for you if you don't know anything else? Bad. Bad, right? And suppose I tell you also, in addition to torturing you tomorrow, I'm going to spend tonight driving you insane. Have things gotten better for you or worse? Worse. Arguably worse, right? If I tell you the specific form of insanity that I'm going to induce in you is I'm going to make you believe that you're the prince. Right. Mm. And furthermore... I'm going to do the same thing to the prince, and I'm going to make him think he's the cobbler tomorrow morning. But I think things took a turn for the good if the typical, the insanity is that I'm going to believe I'm a prince. 
and be tortured. All right. Well, maybe <laughs> minus the torture part. But you thought you had the torture part before the insanity. Well, and you're so. still stuck in the cobbler's body. No we, I thought we were layering. I thought we were yeah. layering, but you said the torture and that was bad and it's gotten worse. Would it be better to be a cobbler insanity. and think you're the prince or be the cobbler and think you're a cobbler? I would think life would be harder for you if you're a cobbler and thought oh. you're a prince. I'm going to go double. But never mind. Uh, <laughs> since this is okay. completely. Gotcha. So, um, what we can say is that this situation, in this situation, and I tell you, okay, tomorrow morning, you're going to think you're the prince, and the prince is going to think he's the cobbler. And now I ask you, which body do you want me to torture? The prince. You say the prince, yeah. but then we think about it and we go... That's the opposite answer of what we gave before. And these two situations are actually... We wouldn't be able to... Yeah, we wouldn't be able to differentiate between them, and neither would the people... In the situation exactly um and this goes to show that if we're talking about if we say what identity is is identity is reducible to memory right if you remember being something then you're identical with it that is a circular definition because with the napoleon example what we realized is that we count something as a memory only if you were identical with the person who that happened to Right. That's why you think I can't remember being Napoleon, because I'm not identical with Napoleon. Mm -hmm. So this idea that we can explain identity in terms of memory is circular and fails. Because we have to explain memory in terms of identity. Yeah, that makes sense. Nothing counts as a memory unless you were the actual person there. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. I, I, and I don't know if I'm pushing a different area and, and this might be we'll, we'll leave this as a cliffhanger for part two but if i uh i'm thinking a little bit about adam smith maybe in theory of moral sentiments that we need another person to kind of back up our humanity of what we are so we have this chain of memory concept that you brought up and overlapping memories but then it's like uh maybe we need somebody to bounce that off of to kind of verify that i am human smith's example was something along the lines of we don't know who we are until we have somebody else to bounce ourselves off of. So we don't know we're a jerk until we do some behavior and somebody tells us we're a jerk. Although if we're on an isolated island and we've never met anybody, you know, we're in some sort of isolated situation where we grew up as a baby, you know, Tarzan type example or something, then we never really learn as much about ourselves until we have somebody to bounce ourselves off of. So let me leave that as a cliffhanger. I'm anxious to hear your rebut to that. And we'll be back in just a bit. Ottawa University has an exciting new major, PPE, which stands for Philosophy, Politics, and Economics. Each of these fields is interesting in their own right, but they intersect in ways that are important to understand, both individually and for your community. If you find philosophy fascinating, but want to make sure that your study of the subject is practical, if you enjoy economic analysis, but want to see how economic laws interact with moral principles, if you are interested in politics but want to explore how economic and ethical realities constrain our political choices, you should consider the PPE program at Ottawa University. This spring, Ottawa University is organizing a PPE League competition of politics, philosophy, and economics. Students in this competition will compete leveraging the ideas of philosophy, politics, and economics in various events. If you're a professor or an advisor of college students and you're interested in your school competing in PPE League this spring, contact Peter, Justin, or Russ today. 
By 2030, the Gortney Institute will be known for its alumni, supporters, and participants who incorporate economic understanding with their faith in their careers, vocations, communities, and personal lives. We have some great programming going on for high school students. We have an online microeconomics class. Yes, you can earn college credit for $200 by taking an online class. It's affordable, flexible, layered with support. Our new online micro is optimized for you. If you'd like to consider some events for your high school students or that class, please contact Justin, Peter, or Russ today. All right, so we're back, continuing on with this transhuman stuff. I don't know, did I have anything with um, other people needing to be a part of this recognition of who I am or, or not? And it would really be Adam Smith. I was trying to regurgitate probably in a poor way. We're well, not going to believe this, Russ, but yeah, you did. Ah, for once, yes. You actually, you actually sound like uh, the best philosopher of the 20th century, Donald Davidson. Ooh, uh, so yeah. um, think about the difference between my thinking I was Napoleon and or my thinking I remembered being Napoleon and my actually remembering uh, being Napoleon. Right. Now, the point of that is that I think I remember being Napoleon. We can arbitrarily say, okay, a memory is something that you think happened to you that actually happened to you, right? Um, and we can also say, let's define something as a shmemory <laughs> if it's something that you think happened to you but didn't happen to you, yeah. right? Now, by definition, a memory and a shmemory are going to be psychologically indistinguishable to you because they are both things that you think happened to you. Yeah. And with your heart of hearts, you're not, yeah, yeah you're not uh, trying to, let's say, deceive yourself. You just really believe. I was poorly yeah. treated by the French people and they did exile <laughs> me to Elba, right? Um, so look, uh, in such a case, the only check you are going to have on whether or not your beliefs about the world and about yourself are correct is, in general, another person. Davidson said this is the case for all of our concepts, right? This is how we get the idea of being wrong, which is a necessary precondition to having any concepts at all and to being able to really think or use a language is that you have somebody else to bounce your your views about the world off of. By, by definition, the way things seem to you is you have nothing to check those against except for your own seemings, right? Um, so you're right. Um, in the case where we want to differ differentiate between memories and shmemories, it seems like we need somebody else there. And Davidson, like Smith, thinks we are necessarily social animals. Uh, just a quick aside, it makes me think of somehow how our society is crumbling that a lot of parents are raising their kids that they're never wrong. Oh, you're right, and you're good, and you're good at this, and you're a good swimmer, and you're good at everything, and, and how that correction mechanism is so important to learn who you are and your identity and, and your confidence and self-confidence and self-efficacy and, and how our parenting has gone astray with that somewhat thing that seems to be going on in society. I shouldn't have told you you were right. I should have told you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back Wait, to trans uh, so, so I want to go back and just, I just want to clarify even even, even with, with animal even, <laughs> even without someone else, the memories and memories are still different, right? Huh? Even without someone else, memories and memories are still different, right? They're just not differentiable. Not differentiable to you. Right, yeah. to you. But without yeah. someone else, there's still a difference. Huh? Without someone else, there's still a difference. The stronger claim is something like um, we are unable to have propositional thought. We can't even get into a language okay. without somebody else. Okay. So sure. um, 
Okay. Uh, there's going to be another person before you even have something like okay. a, a proposition yeah, yeah. memory. All right. But that's, let's, let's move past it. It's an entirely different podcast, and we're going to have a huge argument about that. All right. Well, um, we but uh, what we should say is like how this relates to transhumanism. Um, because the whole one of the promises of especially things like Kurzweilian transhumanism is this idea that we'll be able to upload our consciousnesses in a way into a computer. And then that computer will be able to down or you'll be able to download that consciousness into a different kind, either another, uh, you know, meat human body or into like some kind of cyborg or. Uh, some kind of a uh, silicon-based body or something like that. When you, when you say meat human, but you use that before, we're talking M-E-A-T, like yeah. a piece of meat. We are flesh meat. and bones. Yeah. 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 Meat. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to be clear to the listeners because I was a little unclear, but all right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Meat. Or, or the metaverse, right? That's actually a really common one right now is upload your brain to the computer. Yeah. So even, even a simulated computer, yeah. right? Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and this seems to piggyback on this idea that, well, the being that uh, downloads this particular consciousness of yours will remember being you, and therefore it will be you. And we've seen that that cheats and is question begging because it relies on the memory criterion of identity, which we have just seen um, presupposes the notion, I mean, it, it's circular. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I think that if we state that this kind of this particular version of transhumanism, this idea of transferability of consciousness, um, that it's possible, possible to do that while maintaining identity, that that's question begging. And I want to throw the ball over to Peter because I think he has a really good example of this or you know, to stop there. Yeah, Maybe so he is a cyborg already. Not, that's why he's so smart. Not, not that I know of. That's his memory. <laughs> but... Christopher Nolan is unfortunately one of my favorite directors. I don't like liking like really popular things. I'm like naturally a hipster. And so the fact that Christopher Nolan is like, everyone's like, oh, I love Christopher Nolan. And I do too. It makes me sad, but I do. I love Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies. Every one of them gets me. Probably my favorite of his, maybe second favorite is a movie called The Prestige, uh, which came out in 2006. So I'm about to spoil it, listeners. And so if you really want to pause and watch the whole movie, you can. You should. Uh, you should. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's $3.99 on Apple TV and Voodoo. I don't know what that one is, but uh, you can find it there. And so oh, this, this is with the magician. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, so basically it is uh, on the surface level. It's a story of dueling magicians. It's Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman are the two magicians and Christian Bale and him are competing. And Christian Bale has this great trick, which uh, Hugh Jackman cannot figure out. He gets a lot of people to try to replicate it. He spends a ton of money. And it's this trick where Christian Bale will throw a hat to one side of the stage. He'll go into a door and then he'll come out a door on the other side of the stage, basically instantaneously and catch the hat. And so it's this teleportation trick. And so Hugh Jackman searches the world for a way to replicate the teleportation trick to beat his rival because uh, he was able to beat him up until this point, basically, and now he can't anymore. And uh, he happens upon like Tesla. Nikola, this is kind of like the sci-fi part of this movie. It's interesting. He, he happens on Nikola Tesla's lab and there's like this uh, device that's like sort of a transporter, but it's also sort of a cloning machine. And so how it works, it, it gets tinkered with too. It, it's not immediately works, but how it works is you step into it and there's this bright flash of light and lightning and everything. And, and then there's another you on the other end, so like in the other portal of this device. And so this is bad for Hugh Jackman because he doesn't want a bunch of hymns running around because he actually, he first tries to replicate the trick by hiring a, like a double. 
but the double is a drunk and you know he, he's he messes it all up and everything and people boo him and so he doesn't want other hymns running around because if he, he sees another him running around or if people see another him running around they'll know oh this is a fake trick right and so what he decides he's going to do is just always kill the other one that appears and so he leaves a gun next to the table and he gets in the thing and there's a bright flash and he shoots him but there is a question that they leave in the movie and they sort they sort of do address it, but he actually, Hugh Jackman doesn't know if he's being teleported or not. And so he actually doesn't know each time he goes in the machine whether or not he's going to be the one who shot. He just, he doesn't have any any idea. One of the two gets shot by, are you following me, Justin? You, you're giving me a look. Yeah, but I, <laughs> unless you're going to talk about the way the movie ends differently, does it, I thought the way... He sets it up is so, so he modifies this on stage because obviously once you get to the stage, you can't bring a gun and shoot the guy, you know, backstage after the trick ends. And so what he does is he sets up a, a machine that looks the exact same as the other guy's trick. But once he goes, once the other one goes through the door, once the, the one appears and comes out the door, he falls through the stage into a big tank of water. The top closes and he drowns. So and can we just say this in terms of A and B? Yeah. To make this. Yeah, so, so go ahead. So A, the person who starts the show, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman A, gets behind, uh, opens the door and steps in. And then what happens is the duplicator, mm-hmm. right, flashes on A and creates an identical copy of A, call him B, behind door number two. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is they've set it up so there's a trap door under A. So yeah. that once he gets duplicated, he's dropped into the vat and drowns. Yes. And B, the duplicate walks out the door right and be the duplicate remembers everything that went uh from a's life yeah right? and i think they even have a throwaway line of i didn't know who was going to step out on the other side i didn't know if it would be me or someone else uh and this is never like that they, they don't come to a resolution in the movie because they probably can't with the memory memory stuff they, they probably can't um but this gets the idea that we hugh jackman knows and we know as people watching it that it can't be that we know for sure who's coming out on the other side and we know it's not the exact same person because one of the two people die and there's like great imagery of like a room full of all these water tanks from all the times the trick has been done by the way christian bale did the trick with an identical twin he hid for his entire life (laughs) uh so it's like it's a great movie about commitment but the the point of the movie is like Oh, we know that those two two people aren't the same. And so this idea that by copying memories and even like the physical, if, if it makes a perfect physical copy too, that you're copying the consciousness, it's not true. One of those consciousness dies. One of them stops going, whether it's the new one or the old one, we don't know. Uh, but this is how cloning operates too, right? We, we have to believe. It's not like when you make a clone of yourself, both of you are exactly you and you've got like a Borg, like you see what each other are seeing. No one thinks it works that way. It's a copy and the copy experiences different things and they have a different consciousness than you do. And so if you die, you die. You don't live on through the clone. Uh, and the same thing happens if you upload your brain to a computer. There is some other you in, you know, either an Android or the computer in the metaverse, some other copy of you, but it's not you. You're still walking around and when you die, you die. Some people might still be happy about the idea that there's another you walking around on the computer. I could care less, to be honest. I, I care about my consciousness, not like my brain and memories but so i hopefully that covered it and confused less than it explains but i don't know if i agree with you that the consciousness if it's duplicated uh dies if it's if there's two that are identical they could both persist on well they'll have different experiences i I get that but okay justin go ahead and i just am a little cloudy functionally identical to what we call the teleportation argument in philosophy right so star a star trek teleporter 
works yeah. by uh, it shines a beam down mm-hmm. on a body. Yeah. And then it takes a copy of that body and then it shoots information about the composition of that body to somewhere else in the universe, yeah. right? You can imagine people teleporting to Mars, to and from Mars, right? Um, and I always ask my students, you know, if, if, it was, if you had a great paying job on Mars, would you teleport there every day? Let me show you how it works. You step in here yeah. um, and then, you, yeah. you know, it's you're a flash and all of a sudden uh, you, you're on Mars, you know. Yeah. But the way it works is it takes a copy of your body. It sends that information to Mars. The machine on Mars constructs um, a version, uh, you know, constructs a you. Identical uh, you. With, uh, has, you know, you, from your perspective, it just seems like you pop out on Mars, right? Yeah. Um, and most people say yes, right, that they would do it. Um, and then I go, okay, well, let's think about this in slow motion, right? Uh, let's suppose that some, I mean, the ma- machine malfunctions, right? Um so it does the whole thing where it takes a copy of you, sends the information over to Mars, creates a uh, duplicate over there, right? Except it forgets to do that thing about deleting your body over here. So what does it look like from your perspective now? And what it looks like from your perspective now is that you just have a flash and then you're still stuck there. Yeah, it didn't work. Right. But yet then there's another one over in the other place. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two of you. No. There's... A copy there's one of, of you. There's there's a copy of you. And there's a copy of you with, dis- with distinct experiences. Obviously, new memories. A different person. Well, what do you mean distinct experience? At that moment in time, the experiences are identical, but then now no, as, they, as they progress through time, they're distinct. Well, it's and they're, and they're, copy. they're spatially different from the moment the copy happens to. Okay. If I tell you, um, look, do you want me to kill the you that's on Earth? Or do you want me to kill that person who looks a lot like you and has shmemories of you on Mars? <laughs> but they're not even, yeah, are they shmemories at that point, I guess? I, no, so I this, see what you're saying. All right, this logically. could be happening to you right, right now. Right now. So yeah, right? this is life. This yeah. is life as we know it. Yeah, you, you can't be living in both of the bodies at once and be unaware of that. That doesn't Identity make any sense. Identity is a relationship yeah. not between two things that are the same. Identity is a relationship that a thing has to itself right? Uh, so you are identical with you. If I take a copy of you and put it somewhere else, that's just not you. It's a copy of you. So what I take the moral of the prestige to be, and this is what like Michael Caine says um, to the character, he goes, you know, I lied. I told you drowning was a painless death. Oh yeah. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. And what he's saying there yeah, is Yeah, he like, said it was, it was you, like going home first. And then he says yeah, it's, hell. That's, it's hell. That's how he describes it. Yeah. And the point there is that he's saying like, you're dying every time. Yeah, like, yeah. You're killing yourself every time. And so, I mean, the moral I give to my students is like, don't get into a teleporter because <laughs> a teleporter will kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's actually, they do that. They explore it into like Star Trek, the search for Spock too. Like where, where, where did Spock's soul go? Can we get a soul from all the times in the teleporter or whatever? So. So, but if this is correct, and if what we've been saying about the prestige and the teleporter is correct, then that also must make us or ought to make us view really skeptically this idea that we'll be able to upload our consciousness into a computer and like have that downloaded downloadable even somewhere else um that seems to push that thought experiment closer to the drink the kool-aid and you'll end up on hellbop thing you're dead that's i mean that would be my mm-hmm. analysis of it you just die and i mean that's a that would be a good um, example of something where like, you know, a kind of Tower of Babel thing where like 
the attempt to be like to be a god just ends in your own destruction mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. end up destroying yourself doing that i don't think it's all bad having a couple russes running around <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, this isn't like an art especially if we meet each other there are a battle on there are the right Russ, there right? are arguments against cloning this is not one of them so cloning in and of itself is not like killing you but we're saying like something like a teleporter or a tele maybe yeah, a teleporter maybe a clone machine that's ambiguous clone, yeah. like uh those, those sorts of things cloning is different the premise behind the teleportation is that you can preserve identity right you yeah. can transfer identity yeah we can believe right. that cloning is possible without believing that both people have the same consciousness it doesn't even make sense clone their that, pets yeah, right yeah. um because they want a dog that has similar characteristics yeah. right but nobody like suppose you had a dog that like bit your kid and then was put down like and you were really vengeful like would it make sense to clone that dog and like, punish the clone you're like that would be no, awesome. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, i just want one good swat on that just <laughs> All right. Well, that looks like a good spot to wrap. Uh, I think we got a little more on transhuman here with government and privacy to to pick on. So we might go for a, a part three. And we kind of think went off on a, a little bit of a of a good tangent and uh, tied in some good things. So this has been a production of the Gorton Institute here at Ottawa University. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Five star rating helps other people find us. Uh, otherwise, if you like what we had to say, forward it along to your friends and family on their social media or other other means. Other than that, be fruitful, multiply. Thanks.